Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I am thrilled to welcome someone I'll, I'll call a new friend, but someone I have known by reputation and never-ending passings and hallways of events throughout the industry for, for probably decades. Um, he is an award-winning artist, Redken Global Artistic Director, founder and president of Fuel Education, otherwise known as Coach Chris Barron. He's been in the industry now for over 50 years. He's beat me by about five. <laughs> Please welcome the one, the only Mr. Chris Barron. Oh, Gordon, thank you. I don't know if it's uh, if it's so much of a race and I don't know. I think I've been slowing down. You'll probably be catching me slowly here, <laughs> but it's a pleasure to be on. Oh, it's, it's, it's great to have you on. And I, I got to be a guest on your podcast recently, Headcases. And uh, I'm, I will put me aside for a moment, but what a brilliant lineup of guests on that podcast. I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun doing. And I, I tell you, the the thing that I've learned most about doing a podcast as you do is the people that you meet and the more that I talk to people, industry greats, I'm not saying that I'm an industry great, but talking to them uh, is that the more that you talk, the more we're alike. And I, I just, what's what I love about our industry. And at the end game, everybody just wants to help everybody grow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. I mean, and you are a, a very big deal in this industry. Um, I, I, I mean, just, the impact that you've had on so many lives in so many ways, directly and indirectly, it's hard to even, you know, quantify it. So, um, yeah, Mr. Chris Barron, big deal. <laughs> well, and for nobody who's just listening, I'm blushing right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> under the beard. Um, under the beard. All right. So, um, I'm, again, I'm excited to, to have you here. And again, this great long career, you've seen it all, you know. And, and so I, I want to start with the first question I ask everybody, which is, Talk about the best advice or, or amongst probably a lot of advice you've gotten, but the best advice you could have for our audience from someone who gave it to you. Well, actually, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, and I, I especially I think that there's so many young kids getting into our uh, industry right now. And and I, and I always lump everybody into two categories, either a you um, uh, you were you were born, bred, raised, put on the face of the earth to do hair, and you knew you were cutting it right from a young age, mm -hmm. or you fell into it. And I was one of the fall intos. Um, I didn't know I wanted to do. My mom was a hairdresser, and I thought I'd just become a hairdresser because I wouldn't get fired. And quite <laughs> frankly, we're probably caught up because I think that the first two years of my career, um, I wouldn't even count because I was too busy partying my brains out, <laughs> et cetera. But the reality is... Um, eventually you get a wake up call. And um, my point was, is that um, I kind of coasted at the beginning and, and it was just that. And um, I think the first thing that happened is I got, I, I was, well, imagine 50 some odd years ago, you, it was shampoos and sets, et cetera, which I learned so much from, but didn't know it. And then I, but I was always hooked on haircutting and that's when, I can't remember the year, but I'm, I'm going to take a wild stab around 74, 75. Sassoon's came to America and opened a salon uh, in California, in San Francisco. And then I became a, a Sassoon freak. 
and I and I got really hooked on haircutting. And that kind of is that that hookup to forward. Now you might say, well, that wasn't really advice. That was me. But here's what happened to me. I found that that was started to kick my career off where I got excited about what I was doing. Mm. And then um, I, I was at that time, I, I had a salon, just started a salon in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And we always say, if you can say it, you're from it or spell it, you're from it. <laughs> but I, um, Art Erickson was my distributor and still a friend. And uh, he worked for the, for SE Golden Company. I still remember the name. And he said to me, Chris, why don't you start uh, doing some teaching? And I went, well, if Mary Barron's boy, Chris, if you would have ever said at, when looking at my grades and my grades in school and you would say, Chris, you're going to be a teacher, you would have said you're out of your mind. Um, but it intrigued me. And um, I failed miserably at it at the beginning because I didn't know how. And and here's the interesting thing. I didn't know how because I ended up teaching just the way that I was, I had learned the way that others taught. And I was just tell. And and so, but here's here's what the the great advice was, Gordon, is as I taught, I understood. Mm-hmm. I found that I be, prior to that, I knew, I learned, but it was all so mechanical that uh, I it was natural movements, but I couldn't express it. I just I, I knew what I was doing, but I couldn't get it out of my mouth. And when what I learned from teaching was that I had you had to learn how to break everything down into small pieces, into steps. And now what we teach is called step stages standards. A standard is something that here's a benchmark. The the stage would be, you know, here's the step, here's the stages you have to go through, here's how you hold your scissors, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last part is what most educators nowadays um, have, a, have a harder time with, is they don't really know that there's more steps in there than they think there is. And uh, I just learned that that led me to understanding. So for Art, uh, who gave me that piece of advice, I just have always been eternally grateful. And, you know, I've heard from so many educators, one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it. And also, you know, what you said about we often learn unknowingly from people who aren't as good as we hope to be one day. Mm-hmm. And that can hold us back, you know, and that, yeah. that's not a knock on teachers or educators. They come in all, all, you know, different, you know, shapes and sizes and qualities and, you know, all that, you know, um, just like anything else in life, you know, but I think it's, it's, um, it's important to realize in, in, in a profession where we understand so clearly the need to learn how to do the craft, like we accept that, but I don't think we think enough about that being an educator, that's a whole different craft. And, and there's a whole different need to learn and, and to experience and to grow. You know, it, it's interesting. I love what you said. Uh, and there's something, uh, if, even if I could bend that, not, not bend it so much, but to help everybody understand that if you're standing at a chair and you have an associate, an apprentice, uh, a new hire, call it what you will, standing beside you, you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It, it doesn't mean you're a state. You're not necessarily standing on a stage. If you had, if you have kids, you're a teacher. And to be a good human, you know, you're a teacher, right? I mean, we all, we all have that opportunity. So it, it, it's a really a gift. And and someone who takes it on professionally, as you have, you know, I I, I think again, it's 
to me, you know, there's no greater profession, you know, on the planet than teaching. You know, I, I, it's just so powerful. It's, it's life-changing. All right. So great advice. Thank you for that. You are one of the most renowned artists in the industry. You know, you are, and you're a very humble guy. So I know you I don't want to hear that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was recently at Redken Symposium and I, I saw your work, you know, um, I, 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 we don't have enough time to say how blown away <laughs> I was by, by, by the artistry of you and your team. And so, so you know, you, you live in that category. And, you know, the art of hairdressing is something that we talk about as an industry, you know, endlessly, you know, in good ways, you know, and, and it's, it's something that, you know, so many aspire to. And it's something that so many get into the industry to be, to be, to, to be an artist, to be seen, you know, um, um, as an artist. And um, I think for young people starting out, or for those who are at any point in their career who, who really aspire to up their game that way, um, as well as keep their career going, I, I think you know there's 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 conflict in that idea uh, for many. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about that. About uh, how does a person you know kind of have those two parallel tracks going? Because I, I feel that they are you know because as a consumer, I don't really think about the artistry of hairdressing, but as somebody in the industry, I, I can't help but recognize how brilliant you know the artistry can be. So riff on that for me a little bit. Well, you know, first of all, I, I think it's a great topic, number one. And I, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to offend by anything I'm about to say right now, but I want you to just listen to what I'm saying. And, and I think that it'll help to understand a bit of the predicament that I think that our industry has got itself into right now. And I want to preface that by saying that most people you're going to get into our business for one or two reasons. You want to make money or you want to have, you want to have fun and be creative, you know, and, and there, there's, there's a parallel in there, you know, and, and I, I live in a world of abundance. I think you can have abundance of, of money, spirit, love, um, humor. I think you can have all of that in your life. And to me, that's a value. I think that our industry is, we've leaned to the commercialism and the money, and sometimes that's waned on our creativity. And and right now, there's a figure that I heard the other day that 75% of our industry is terrified. I'm going to say that word again, terrified of doing short hair. Mm, interesting. Well, we haven't, done it. we haven't done it for a while. We have a generation no, I mean, of hairdressers you, coming in. Yeah, it really was in the 90s. And I know that being a, um, a part owner in in a school, well, I'm part owner in a school and in a franchise that sells schools, the number one complaint that you get from most students is they're afraid of men's hair, cutting short hair, and they're afraid of short hair in general. Now, back to the topic, um, I always put the way that I satisfied both for me, because I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an out-and-out capitalist. I, I believe in it. I've had both. I've had none and I've had lots. And I'd sooner be crying in my Porsche than laughing on my bicycle. <laughs> um, but I, I will say that I had to learn to put the two together. And, and, that, and by that, I mean, I, I call it uh, the zing or the bills. You have to, what's my, I have to pay the bills. So I have to have my consumer that comes in that I'm going to do long hair layers, et cetera, balayage, et cetera, on. But the way that I talk to people nowadays, and everybody talks about young kids, and yes, they might be different, uh, but I was once young too, and it might have been a long time ago, but I was always, you know, like when I got into it and finally got into my, what I called my creative rebel stage, 
I just wanted to do something different. And I wanted to have at least one or two people at the day, day, a day that gave me that zing. And I just mean the zing meaning, damn, would you look at, look at what we just did there? You know, if what we did was just phenomenal and you could talk about that the rest of the day, I could contract, I could, I could focus on money and bills, something that it kept the salon running, kept me going, provided for my family. And I think that right now everything is long hair. I'm, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't stop. Let's not start carving off everybody's hair. Um, but let's, let's take a look at the reality of those people that come in and want to have something creative. Um, and by creative, um, that people might turn around and say to me, well, yeah, but doing long hair and balayage and doing that is creative. And it is. The problem is if that's all you're doing all day long and you have no variety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that is, was necessary in my career. I had to have variety. Sometimes what would happen is if I would be going through a stretch of just bills, you know, and I found that I was, I was, my creativity was waning. That's where I got into photography. And and just, you know, even if it was just doing something with a group, just to do something fun that get, that really, um, really grabbed and twisted you and made you think. I love that. And my mentor in life was the founder of Pivot Point, Leo Passage. And he always talked about, you know, the importance in, in life of having ideally a career that we have passion for and also a hobby that we had passion for. And he said, and and for him, the greatest life was to have a hobby that was directly connected to the work that he did. And that gave him that balance, you know, that, that opportunity to really be creative, but also to understand that in day-to-day -day work, sometimes, you know, it could be a little boring and, but we still had to do that work and, and, and having that understanding and having that creative outlet by way of a hobby. And again, especially if it's, it's connected to your career, how that all by itself could lead to a longer, more sustainable career. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, I've even heard figures that when I first started out in the business that um, the mortality rate, I don't mean actual dying, but the mortality rate start to finish of a hairdresser's career was five. And I've heard it's three now. And, and, and I find that a shame because sometimes it takes you that three years just to build up your, your, uh, this is going to, I don't want to sound like I, I'm for those of you that are, are listening I'm a baby boomer. I have gray hair. <laughs> I, I, I have a, a full white beard. Uh, so I am, yes, I am in your mind, probably older, but the reality is, is I think that there's, there's discipline that happened when we were there. You had to go through three to four years of making no money and doing it. I'm not professing that. I, that's the last thing I think that anybody should do right now. We should get people on the floor quicker, but I think you have to, if you can stick it out that, uh, everybody says, well, why should I do that and get paid $20 an hour when I get $20 an hour at McDonald's? The reality is you're still going to be making $20 an hour at McDonald's three years later, but you have the opportunity of making hundreds or perhaps thousands if you stick it out and you, and you can apply your disciplines to what you do into learning what you have to do, having fun while you're doing it. And then making sure that you're teaching it back on in your salon and, and giving stuff away. I always believe that sometimes what I've learned for free, what I've learned for paying money, hundreds of thousand dollars, I can I, I sometimes will give it away for free just to make somebody's life easier so they don't have to go through the pain and all of the chaos that we had to go through.
I think one of the, the things that, regardless of age and, and generation that we've, we struggle with as human beings is, is patience. Mm. And I think when we talk about career, especially when we're beginning our career, regardless of age, there's a lot of distractions, you know, just mm-hmm. a lot, you know, life, you know, can be a big distraction where we're kind of trying to pivot into a new career. And I just think, you know, that we don't talk enough about the need to have patience. And, and to me, you know, that includes not forgetting why we got into it, you know, because I think that, that hopefully gives us a reason to have patience. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, that's a great point because here's something I've learned in teaching is, you know, cause I'm, I'm sure if you are not a teacher, you've probably been to a class where you got frustrated and, and you said, oh, to hell with it. I'm just giving this, this will never work. My clients will never have this. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give up because it's just easier. And, and the, the point that, that I think that is really important in there is to establish first, where is my vision that I want to go? What do I want to be? What do I want to be able to do? What do I want to have? And if I can, if I can establish that in my brain, now, I'm not a vision board person. I mean, I've, I've talked to lots of people and they say they put vision boards together. My hat's off to you. But uh, to me, I think is when you're going into a class, I have to know I'm going to learn something different. It might be harder. But when I hit that point of frustration, if I can say to myself, look at Chris, here's what your goal is. I want to be able to do this so that I can be the best balayage, the best short hair person, the best scissor over comb person that there is out there. And, and if you can have that in your mind, and then when you have that frustration or you have that, that dribble of tear that goes down or that yell of anger or that feeling you want to quit, you can just say to yourself, look at what is it you want? And then you could take a breath and you say, look at, okay, good. Now I can, now we can pull through this. And you know, the, it's so funny. We, we are, we are very connected today, Chris. Um, right before you said the word, I wrote on my little scratch pad here, the word goals. And, and then it came right out of your mouth. And, and I, I just think they're so important. And again, speaking about patience, it's so much easier to have patience when you know what it is you're waiting for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And I think goals are one of the keys to having a long and successful career and that we have to revisit them constantly and, 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 and benchmark them against things. So, so as an educator, you know, as, as an artist and as a, as a hairdresser, talk about that. What's your take on goals? You're right. We do have a good vibe going today because here's the, here's, you know, I don't know the, the other word that I wrote down here is wants. Mm. And, and I, I'm going to preface it with a story. Um, I was doing a, uh, a train the trainer program for Matrix uh, last year. And we had one girl that was in there that was having a difficult time. And I was trying, trying to tie her back to goals and it really wasn't working. Okay, now let me tell, and, and it, I don't want, I did not necessarily to go into the story, but it all turned out well. But I, I have another good friend by the name of Seal, who I don't know if you guys have heard of the ranch before, where they help to, they help to help to get people through some of the crap that we have in our life. And Seal is, is, is absolutely un, unbelievable woman. And I had a little chat with her and I said, you know, I was talking to her about goals and she said, you know, the interesting thing. And you know what? It's funny right near, look, I have it right here as I wrote down what she said as she said it. And, and I've got a post-it note for those of you listening. And I've wrote in here, she said, here's what she said to me. Goals, goal setting often brings up a negative charge. Emotions come up. 
past failed goals, wants turn it into the present. And I, I just found that totally profound. They're the same thing. But if you said I, you all the time you've set goals and you said, well, I didn't get them. People forget that if your goal, let's just say my goal this year is I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And you look at the end of the year and you made 85 and you were making 50 before that's not a fail. It's not a fail. It just, but so many people in our, in our culture right now, failure is such a, a prominent thing that you're ranked in society, which I, I hate. But when seal said that to me is just turn that goal into wants. What do you want? You know, what do you want in a, in a personal life? What do you want for you personally? Like I want to, I want to lose weight or I want to go start an exercise program or I want to take a holiday. What is my career stuff that I want? Well, I, I want to become an educator. I want to teach in the salon. I want to own a salon, those kind of things. And then what is it that you want to do um, for yourself um, as you know, personal career and then uh, self-improvement your self-development? What is it you need to do for those things? And, and to me is if you can start to establish those wants rather than goals, and I'm trying to, I believe hardly, I've always talked about goals, but I'm trying to change my, my terminology to wants, meaning the same thing, just so I keep it in the present. I believe in them wholeheartedly. Words are so powerful and so important that we consider. And, you know, when you think about, you know, client consultations or just the conversation we have with a client, I think, you know, some of the best have told me over the years how important it is to kind of take a look at that person, listen to that person and kind of understand what kind of human you're dealing with. What, what is their personality style? You know, how do, how do they, you know, deal with life and, and adjust your, your language for that person. You know, we are a very creative industry. It's one of the reasons I love it so much because I'm not creative. <laughs> I'm a left brain person. I'm a numbers guy. I love math, you know, and I, I live in a, in a right brained industry that's very, very creative. So I'm attracted to the word goals. You know, it's very analytical. It's very specific, but I live in an industry that's very creative. And that word wants feels like so perfect for this industry yeah, because it, yeah. it's, it has some emotion to it. It has some feeling to it. And I think people can relate to it. So what great advice, Chris? Sorry. Yeah, thank you. But you know, I, want to, I want to take you back as I'll bet you everybody associates creativity with something that is um, touchable. But I'll bet you a dollar to a donut. And I don't know where that expression ever came from or where, <laughs> what, what it means. <laughs> Uh, or if the fact that I'm probably the only one that uses it, <laughs> but I'll bet you are creative because you said numbers. And if you ever, there's a book out there called the 12, 12 ways of knowing, I think it is. And it talks about um, the, um, the different ways that you're creative in. I might be getting the, the context mixed up here, but it really is, you know, it's like whether it's language or body, you know, dancers, numbers, language, um, even to be able to be a podcast person. Like if you look at Oprah, she's a, that's intrapersonal or interpersonal, you know, even somebody whose writers are inter, intrapersonal going within that's still creativity. That's still understanding, you know? So it's, uh, you know, I, I still view you as still as a creative person as well. well. Well, thank you for that. I take that as a huge compliment. And, and I would say that we all have a little bit of everything in us, right? You know, and, but, but we're all different. And, 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 and 
some of us have more of this versus that. Yes. So, so I would say, you know, I I skew high in all the personality tests on the analytic stuff and, and skew lower on, on the right brain and the creative stuff. So, so yeah, I've got some of it in me, but I love numbers. I'm fascinated with economics, like, you know, sets me on fire. I could talk about that stuff all day. Yeah. That makes one of us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you and you could talk about color and, and shape and form and texture all day and be excited by it. So, you know, different strokes for, for different folks. I want to jump to best advice that you would have for our audience, again, regardless of age, regardless of where they are in their career. Um, but again, you have so much context and, and you have spent so much time with so many different types. You know, going back to that, we're all different, different types of hairdressers, different types of learners. Um, best advice that you would have for for folks listening in today for them to have a long, sustainable, and perhaps 50-year career? I'm going to just take a little more half step to the side. And I've, I've heard, you know, if you think about what we talked about earlier, about people only staying in our industry for, say, three years and then giving up on it. Um, whether you call that burnout or whatever, I, uh, one, of my, one of my great teachers always talked about there's three areas. And, and there's three areas in your career that you have your burn, your burn ups, you know, meaning that you're a rising star, you do the same thing. It's always the same thing. You're noticed for it. Trends change. You don't change. And they just burn up. They fizzle away. You don't hear of them anymore. And then you got the burnouts, the one that get bored, whether they're doing it too long of the same thing, whatever. But then you got your burn ons. And, and I think to this, to be the burn on, and I've been accused of that before and, and, People have associated to me and they'd come up to me and say, Chris, you've, you've, you've reinvented yourself all the time. And I don't know if I, I didn't take offense to it, but I had to really think long and hard about it. Is was I reinventing or was I just evolving? And, and I think that's my advice to, to, to anybody that's starting out is find something that you absolutely love doing right now. And and if that is balayage and long hair, do it. Do it until you find that it's not fun anymore or you're, it's waning. And then like, uh, like bungee jumping, jump into something else. And you've got to cross over time. It's just like, and if you think of it, people say, well, I would never bungee jump. Uh, and I'm terrified of short hair. Why would I go into that? Well, think about it. If you if you were standing on the ledge of a platform, you know, let's say whatever, I don't know what they are, 60, 70, 100, store, 100 floors up or whatever, or feet, and you had to jump in a river, something that would terrify me, a little bit of pee would come out. I hope that would be the only thing. <laughs> but the reality is, if you had to do it once, you'd I'd be terrified. But if you had to do that every day, Mm-hmm. Or if you were an instructor and you had to do it, say, several times a day after a month, it would be just boring mm-hmm. and you'd want to evolve to do something else. So that's my advice to people is that, you know, do what you do really well. Then as soon as you find it's getting natural and mundane, add something else in. So don't shift. Don't get rid of the other. Just add something else that in that scared you. And become proficient at that. And I find you will become a well-rounded, well-known for, and often people that will request you not only for what you do in your services, but for your knowledge and your opinion of that knowledge. You know, there's an old Charles Darwin quote, you know, change or die. 
Yeah. And, you know, I I think, you know, when we think about long careers, you know, which both of us have had in the same industry, you know, I I was recently on a leadership panel and they asked me about career and I said, you know, I, you know, I've, I've had a number of changes in my career and, and I've been really fortunate that I've only applied for a job one time. And that's when I was 22 years old and came into the industry and, and, you know, been blessed that, you know, people have invited me to do other things. But I, I've hit those moments after five years, six years, 10 years of, of doing something where I just had this feeling in my gut that it was, maybe I was bored. Maybe I didn't have the fire in my belly. And thankfully, you know, I knew that I was meant to be in this industry. Um, I didn't always know what was next, but I always kind of from early on understood the importance of change and embracing change and, and kind of riding with it. Um, and connected to that was always also this, this big idea of role models. And so I'm going to give you one more question because I think you're a great one that to talk about this. And just how important are they when we think about, you know, this idea of change and, and kind of hanging in there and, and having a long career? Yeah, I'm going to give you three because I think that just having just a, a role model is one thing, but I think you have to have three. You have to have, find somebody that's going to be a teacher. In other words, this is the person that could be, and sometimes this might turn into be the same person. Sometimes it might be different. You have to have somebody that's a profound teacher that influences you and helps you. And that could be a coach and whatever. And then you have to have uh, a mentor, somebody that you can talk to that would help you along and guide you, particularly when you're about to do something that you shouldn't. And then you should have an idol. And I didn't, I never knew what those were. At one time I called Trevor Sorby and Anthony Mascolo and Robert Labetta. I called them. Those are my mentors. Um, they did. They wouldn't recognize me walking down the street. They couldn't be Thank my you. mentors. Thank you. A mentor has to touch you. They have to give you advice. But an idol is somebody that you don't want to be, but you want to be like. You aspire. That's your aspiration. Your your idol will give you and be your aspiration. Your your mentor, your coach will be your advisor, and then obviously your teacher is your knowledge, uh, and that's where you're getting your knowledge from. This is a profound explanation, and, and I love the, the fact that you've identified that we all need three. And yes, they can be the same person, but if you're not having those conversations, if you don't have that connection, um, you're missing something. So, oh my gosh, powerful idea to end on. I, I hate to say that our conversation has to come to an end, Chris, but, but it does. And so, um, yeah, I, w- I want to thank you for, for being our guest today. Um, and thank you for, for bringing some a number of important ideas to the forefront here, but that last one just excites the heck out of me. Well, Gordon, the pleasure was mine at any time. Well, let me say, you know, again, thank you, Chris Barron, award-winning artist, Redkin Global Artistic Director. That's a big deal, by the way, a really big deal. Founder, president of Fuel Education. You find him on uh, uh, Instagram and other platforms as Coach Chris Barron. Um, Chris, any place else you want to send people to find out more about you and, and the work that you do? Yeah, if it just, I mean, just join that. And, and I would say one more thing for salon owners that are out there, if they want to go to private Facebook page that's called Salon Team Training, I'm always doing stuff that help people on just nuggets like that, how to how to handle things in the salon, uh, how to teach, et cetera, those kind of things. And uh, other than that, um, just my Insta, you know, Facebook is the same as uh, Chris Barron. And uh, if they if they want any more information on there, they can go to trainersplaybook.com.
So everybody check Chris out on any of those platforms. If you ever have a chance to see Chris Barron in person at an event, I usually run into him at Redkin events and other big industry events. Be sure to check them out. And um, yeah, if, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating or review. Um, hit the subscribe button and, and best yet, of course, share the podcast with a colleague and pay it forward and, and help others to find the podcast. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes of Mastering Beauty. Um, again, on behalf of Beautycast Network, I'm Gordon Miller. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you again next time.